Good morning. Our brother, our brother has no more sin. Isn't that great news? Isn't that awesome? I look forward to the day when there's no more sin in this one who stands before you. The body of our dear brother Bill continues to be kept alive through machines. There is no braining. Um... I confirmed this just a little bit ago. I I'd heard about it last night from his sister. Um, but I got a phone call from the hospital just a few minutes ago. And uh, the chaplain over there wanted to know if there was anything I wanted. Uh, I guess they say last rites, those kinds of things. I don't need to be in the presence of a shell. I know where my brother is. And I, I know this is a personal belief. But I believe the Lord took him right there at the side of the road. His mind, his body was only kept going because somebody pounded on his chest so hard that it broke his ribs. It's not, you disconnect all of man's inventions and that body will turn to dust just like it's supposed to. I believe my brother stands right now. And I thought I had all the tears out already by now. I guess not. I guess not. They're going to disconnect everything this afternoon. So. I have no doubt we'll have services here in the next two to three weeks for our dear brother. May God give us the ability to speak to some of those who knew him. And he had a pretty big group of people. He rode with a lot more people than just me, you know. Wouldn't it be wonderful if we could get the entire hog group, the motorcycle group called Hogs, H-O-G, Harley Owner Group, to show up here for Bill's funeral and hear the gospel and maybe God would call one of his people out of the darkness that is in that group. You never know. I just pray the Lord's will will be done. You? Amen. Amen. Before we begin with our opening prayer, I'd like to ask you to, I mean our opening hymn, I'd like to ask you to stand with me. Once again, allow me the privilege and the honor to lead us to the throne of grace.
Savior. Lord of all that is. Your children gather this morning in recognition of your sovereign rule over everything. As our Lord once said, Father, if you would remove this cup from me, nevertheless, nevertheless, Lord, thy will be done. What a blessing, Lord, that we can that we can say we we praise you. For we who were blind at one time can see that we would have never said those words in truth and in spirit while we yet walked blindly. We can say that we believe you, Lord, because your word has taught us that our faith is a gift from you. We ask you, Lord, to bless these services this morning. Be with us as we sing hymns that praise our Savior. I ask, Lord, that you be with my brother Lee as he reads from the Psalms this morning, our, our uh, continuation of reading through the Psalms. I ask you, Lord, to be with me. Be with me as I stand before your children this morning. I have, I have nothing. I come to this pulpit empty. My mind has been consumed by a friend. And I sat and realized this morning, Lord, I come empty every day. I search for a message. But it is you, Lord. It is you who must speak the message to your people. I may come empty, but Father, you have everything. You have all that we need. Righteousness, sanctification, justification, redemption is all in you, Lord. Be with our sister Cheryl as she comes. She comes and sings special music this morning, Lord, and I ask for I ask for you to give unction. Give the words you need our dear brother Clay to stand before his people also. These vessels that you have chosen, that you have given to your sheep to stand before them, Father, we need you. We have the easiest job in the world, someone once said, but it is the hardest. the hardest because we know the depth of sin that lies within us to stand before folks and talk about the most righteous thing there is and that's your son Christ Jesus
And it is in his name, it is in him, it is in him that we come before you this morning, Lord. Bless us. Bless us for your son's sake. We ask in his name, Christ Jesus. Amen. Would you turn to page 371 and join me in singing, Have Thine Own Way, Lord. 371.
starting verse 129. Thy testimonies are wonderful, therefore doth my soul keep them. The entrance of thy words giveth light, and giveth understanding unto the simple. I open my mouth, and pant, pant it, for I long for thy commandments. Look thou upon me, and be merciful unto me, as thou usest to do unto those that love thy name. Order my steps in thy word, and let not iniquity have dominion over me. Deliver me from the oppression of man, so I will keep thy precepts. Make thy face to shine upon thy servant, and teach me thy statutes. Rivers of waters run down mine eyes, because they keep not thy law. first message brought to us, to us in this conference was well I'm sorry the second message was I want to preach to that young man who was sitting right there Josiah I want to preach a message that that young man can understand dear brother who said that though he might have been looking at that young man sitting right there he was speaking to the man who was sitting over here to hear a simple message the simple message of Christ and him crucified the same message we preach every Sunday every Friday night every Wednesday night, for those who meet on Wednesday night, whatever night you meet, it's the same message. Same message Don Fortner would bring when he comes. Same message Donnie Bell brought when he was here. Moose Parks. Same message Gene Harmon preached from this pulpit for 38 years. There's nothing new. I meant what I said in my prayer. I come to the pulpit this morning empty. I was told here not too long ago, John, you know, one of the dear sisters over in Wheatland, she goes, this is the second time now I've heard you say you had nothing. Both times it was the best message. wasn't me. If my Lord doesn't speak to you today, then whatever you've heard from this empty shell that stands before you is worthless. Turn over to Philippians chapter 2, if you would. 
You folks are going to get a little bit of a deeper message than I would give at a service. You know, you know the Lord, you know Bill. There may be a lot of people who want to speak at a memorial. Preacher doesn't have a whole lot of time. Well, I've got 40 minutes which is a lot more time than I would have at a memorial service. So I'm going to talk to you a little bit. About my brother. Bill and I came together. The Lord brought us together just after uh, I started coming here. And i got to share this with you. I was standing out here on the porch with my brother Lee, and uh, it was about a year, maybe six months after the Lord had called me to this place to hear the gospel preach. And uh, I had a little Sportster Harley that I was real proud of, and it wasn't quite where I wanted it yet. I had a nice padded seat for traveling, and uh, I was just... I need to have something a little bit higher though, because the handlebars were down here. And so, all of a sudden, I seen a bike go by out here, and I told Lee, I said, "Hey, look, see the see the bars on that bike? That's that's what I want. I want something like that." And all of a sudden, here this guy comes. He comes back. I said, "He comes right back." And I watched him, followed him into the yard. He's coming into the parking lot here. And uh, he says he pulled up, and we got to talking. I can't remember exact words, but he. Uh, he says, I used to go here. I used to come up here every once in a while, not very often, every once in a while. And uh, he says, I rode by and I saw that bike sitting out here and I said, I had to turn around and come back. I found out that day that my brother Bill loved the Lord. You see, something, well, we know what something is, don't we? We know what something is, don't we? It's God. It was bringing two minds together to be one. Not necessarily one with each other, but to be one with Him. Isn't that what marriage is about? Where two are no more twain, but they're one? We both, and I didn't know it at the time, I thought Bill had been a Christian for a long time, but it turns out Bill had not been a Christian for a long time. He started coming here to rescue, and he realized that that church that he was going to was preaching nothing but works. He said, I can't go to that other church anymore. i got to go up here to rescue now. I know it's a lot further to come up here, and he loved to ride his Harley up here because he got best, the best class. And, and I got to gas. And I'll tell you what, Bill was the most frugal person I've ever met. That guy, when I first met him, lived off of like $10 a month. I don't know how he did it, but he did. But he couldn't, couldn't hear what was being preached at another church anymore. He, the Lord was bringing two minds together to be one with him. I was still learning myself. Kathy hadn't even, hadn't even started coming to church yet. 
He was bringing us together to see our Lord for who he was. God. The one who deserves to be called God. The one who deserves to be worshipped as God. The one who all the Godhead dwells in, and that's Christ Jesus. He was bringing us together. And for the next 23 years, Bill Silva was my confidant. When I needed to talk to somebody that I could talk to no other person about, he was the one. I can't tell you how deep how deep that blessing goes. Are you in the book of Philippians? This is what the Lord was doing to Bill and I. And for verse 1, we see in chapter 2, verse 1 of Philippians, we read these words, If there be any consolation in Christ, any comfort of love, if any fellowship of the Spirit, if any bowels and mercies fulfill ye my joy, writes Paul, that ye be like-minded, having the same love, being of one accord and of one mind. Now, don't get me wrong, Bill and I had a lot of, a lot of uh, differences. Politically, we were the same. Motorcycles were important to both of us. <laughs> But we both have been brought to know our Lord as Lord. We both had gone through struggles over the years with our trust. Do you, do you have that kind of struggle? You ever struggle with your trust? With your faith? What a message last night you brought, brother. What a message. God convicted me in the deepest way that no matter what I say, it doesn't express the depth of it. What a message God gave me through you. And over all the years that I've been good friends with Bill, we would go through these struggles, and, and, and some of you have heard this before, but Bill would like get off into politics or something. I'd be driving my truck down the road. We'd be talking on the phone. And all of a sudden, I'll just start singing that song. This world is not my home. He'd laugh. Or if I got carried away with something, whether politics or work, Bill would start singing the song, and next thing you know, we'd laugh and go out our way. God brought bowels of mercy to me through the fellowship of my brother Bill. It says in verse 2, Fulfill ye my joy that ye be like-minded, having the same love, being of one accord and of one mind. <clears throat> Let nothing be done through strife or vainglory. Oh, I'll tell you, that was tough. 
And as Bill and I would go through these last 23 years together and call each other and say, you know, John, I'm having some struggles. I, I'm having strife and I'm having vainglory. I'm, I'm, I'm taking glory in my flesh. You know, Bill used to tell me, and he may have told you this, I'm thankful. I'm thankful God took my tongue because I was getting out of control. The vanity of this flesh that stands before you, John, got out of control and the Lord took my tongue. Praise the Lord, he said. Look not, verse 4, every man on his own things, but every man also on the things of others. Let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus. What, what was the mind of Christ my Savior? Father, not my will, but thine. Your sovereign will. Your will over everything that happens. Oh, God's not punishing this here country, United States. If he was punishing us, it would be a whole lot worse than it is. But he is removing his hand of restraint. You know what he's doing? He's, he's turning the people over to their will. He turned the people over to their will when they hung him on a cross and crucified him. When they hated him without a cause. For no reason. He turned them over to their will when they tried to throw him off of a cliff and he said, no, it's not my time yet. And he left. Let this mind be in you which was also in Christ Jesus who being in the form of God, thought it not robbery to be equal with God. Oh, what a wonderful thing that the very one who shed his blood was equal with God the Father. You know what that means? That means his blood is effectual. That means it accomplished what it meant to do. It was shed for us. By the love of my Savior, He shed His blood for us. It bothers me. It bothers me a great deal when somebody says, Oh, God shed His blood for everybody. He loves the whole world. You take the power away from my God when you say that. And my God has all power in heaven and earth and under the earth. That's what his word said, doesn't it? Do you truly believe it? Oh, I wish I could believe it better. I'm just like that man whose sick child... And he came to the Lord, and the Lord said, Do you believe? And he said, Lord, I believe, but I, I need help. I need help with my unbelief. 
I need help with my pride. Do you need help with your pride? Do you need help with your pride? Greatest sin we have in us, brother, just like you said. You can boil down everything we do wrong to pride. Everything. Oh, I know better, Lord. You know what I mean by that, don't you? I know better, Lord. His ways are not our ways. This one who is being in the form of God thought it not robbery to be equal to God, but he made himself of no reputation. This, this boggles my mind. The Lord of glory. The Lord who has all glory and will not share it with another. He will not share it with you and your so-called free will. This Lord humbled himself, humbled himself, found in a fashion, as it says, as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient unto death, even the death of the cross. He made himself of no reputation, as it says in verse 7, and he took upon him the form of a servant. made in the likeness of men. This is the this is the very one that God brought two dead souls together and gave us one mind looking to him. Speaking of this one who humbled himself and became obedient unto death, this one who made himself who came in the form of a servant, this one who got down on his knees and washed the feet of sinners. God Almighty, verse 9, wherefore God also hath highly exalted him and given him a name which is above all names. That at the name of Jesus, at the name of my Savior, every knee should bow. Now notice what it says next. First off, every knee. Every human should bow of things in heaven and things in earth. And it doesn't stop there, does it? And things under the earth. Our Lord is Lord of all. He says, I will have mercy on whom I will have mercy and whom I will I harden. This is the love that God has for his people. I will have mercy. Because he could just as easily harden the heart of John Reeves. It was no big deal for the Lord to harden the heart of Pharaoh. All he had to do is move that hand again, just like he's doing to this here country. Moving that hand the further away. Leaving Pharaoh to his own will.
Verse 11, that every tongue should confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. One mind. The mind of Christ. Turn over to John chapter 17. Let's look at, let's look at another thing about this one mind. What is the mind of Christ? It's to do the Father's will. I came to do my Father's will. The will of Him who sent me. What is the will of Him that sent me? That He should lose none. That means not only was Bill and I brought to be of one mind, one mind in Christ, Christ put Himself in us. Through the preaching of His Word, we heard the truth of who God is. You see, if you don't hear the preaching of God's Word, how do you know who He is? We were talking out here earlier, uh, like yesterday afternoon, we were talking about the idea that, you know, if you, uh, if you uh, had a choice, one or two things. If you had a choice of putting your child in a, in a, in a school, you know, young, young, young child in a school, and somebody was dressing like a woman, a man was dressing like a woman. Would you, would you do that? Or would you put that child over in a church school that preached free will? What would you take? <laughs> you got no other choices. Now I know I know, everybody here would stand up and say, yes, you always got a choice. Take him out of both. But I'm telling you, I'm asking you, what would you do if you only had those two choices? And thought about for much. I'd put it in that school with the person that dress, dresses a woman. I said, that's a great answer. You know why? That person's being forthright with what they are. You take that child and you put them in a school that's teaching free will, they're being deceitful. They're teaching about a, another Jesus, is what the scripture calls it. Another gospel which is not another gospel. It's foolishness. It's treachery. It's up to you to decide your salvation. That's not a God's word. Salvation is of the Lord. Plain and simple. That's all it is. You are either in Christ or you are not. And being in Christ, He loves us with an everlasting love. He's always loved us. We just didn't know it. There was always going to be the day when God would bring John to his knees and bring him to this church where I would hear the gospel preached for the first time. There was always that day. From before the day Adam walked this earth. All that the Father giveth me shall come to me. Is that not what God's word says? If you're coming to Christ, it's not because of something you have done, it's because of Him. It's always because of Him. Not our sin. He's allowed it. He's allowed man to fall. But the fall is ours. Flip Wilson guy that used to make that big joke. 
What a crock. Devil didn't make me do anything. I did it willingly. And I loved it. And it's what I wanted. Thank God for His will. Thank God for exercising His will against this dead, dead soul. And giving life and out of mercy come to us. This is the gospel Bill heard and began to believe that day that we came together. The gospel of our sovereign God and giving us everything we need. Not just the desire to hear Him. Not just the, the new heart to hear Him. Not just the new ears to, to hear the Word of God. Not the, just the eyes to see the truth of His Word. But the desire. The living soul that looks to Him for everything. And He continues to keep us looking to Him. Just like you brought out in your message last night. It's not something that just... Okay, I'm saved. All's done. All's good. No. No. He keeps bringing us looking to Him, doesn't He? Yes. Oh, I'm so thankful for that. Being able to see now how blind I was before, I can see. I can see that if He didn't, the pride of John would flare up in a moment's notice, and the next thing you know, I'd be wandering down that street I was walking before, but God won't let me do that. Why did Paul, why did he glory in his infirmities? Why did he glory in his trials and tribulations? Because he, like all of God's people know, that's the way God brings us back to him. That's the way he reminds us, you're weak, and I love you, and all my strength is yours. Over here in John chapter 17. Our Lord says in verse 14. I have given them. Who's he given? Who? Who? I have given them thy word. Who? Who are the who are them? Who are them? Look over here at verse 9. I pray for them. There's that them. There's us. <laughs> We're the them. We're the them that he prays for to the Father. Lord, I pray you don't charge this one because it's already been charged to me. I've already laid down my life and shed my blood for this one. The perfect blood of his son covering it. Father, I pray for them. I pray not for the world, but I pray for them which Thou hast given me, for they are Thine. Here's that one mind. That one mind. They are Thine. Now look over at verse 14. I have given them Thy word, and the world hath hated them, because they are not of the world, even as I am not of the world. I pray not that thou shouldest take them out of the world, but that thou shouldest keep them from the evil. They are not of the world, even as I am not of the world. Sanctify them through thy truth. Now here's why he prays that he doesn't take us out of the world. We're coming to that in just a second. As thou hast sent, verse 18, as thou hast sent me into the world, even so I have also sent them into the world. Aren't you thankful the Lord has sent us into the world? 
I know it's I know it's I know it's a difficult path, folks. You're not alone. You're not alone in the troubles of this world. You're not alone in the battles of this flesh and the sin that we walk in. We all have that same battle. Every one of us. Yet there's victory in our Savior. There's victory in Jesus. <laughs> he keeps us in the world for a reason. You know, there's more of God's children out there to hear His Word. You never know. It might be somebody you work with. Imagine that. Imagine for just a moment that the last child of God, the very last child that our Savior laid down His life for, shed His blood for, crossed your path. Why are you so happy? How can you be so comfortable with all the stuff that's going on in the world around us? Man, the religious garbledygook, the, the political stuff that we step in. How can you be so happy about that? How can you give, why are you so, you know, the birds are chirping out there. What, what's with that? All the smog and stuff killing everything out there. How, how come you're so happy? Because my Lord rules it all. I believe in the Lord Jesus Christ according to His Word. If you had the opportunity, wouldn't that be what you'd say also? I've shared this with you once or twice before, but as a truck driver, I would be driving around to different customers. And, and folks, there's all kinds of Christians out there. You know there is. Man's imagination can come up with everything, right? If, if you don't have it, somebody else will think of it and come up with it. And I'll be going around to different customers, get up on the dock, unloading freight. Praise the Lord. What? What did I hear you say? Praise the who? The door is open. I get to tell them who my Lord is. Well, a lot of times it wasn't their Lord, but that's all right. I still got to tell them who mine is. Isn't that the way it is with you also? Don't you get excited when God gives you an opportunity to speak? Well, what if that last person that he's going to call out of darkness talked to you? Hey, I know a place where they preach the truth. I, I know a preacher that God has sent to speak to people who need to hear that truth. And then all of a sudden the Lord says after the message is over and he's called that dear brother out of or sister out of darkness and the light begins to shine in their heart all of a sudden we see everything open up. And here comes our Lord. Here he comes. Some of us are getting to the age where we can't wait for that day to come. You know you talk about people wanting to talk about end times the end of time is for our brother Bill. The end of time. His end time was Friday night. That's right. His end time was Friday night. And he saw the Lord face to face.
Look over at Romans chapter 15 with me. I won't be much longer. I don't think. I didn't think I was going to go this far, to be honest with you. Over in Romans chapter 15, we're talking about being of one mind. The one mind that God Almighty gives to each and every one of His children. The one mind that points us to His sovereignty and His grace in all things. Look at verse 5 with me, if you would. Now the God of patience and consolation grant you grant you to be like-minded one toward another according to Christ Jesus. That ye may be with one mind and one mouth. I'm sorry, let me read that again. That ye may with one mind in one mouth, glorify God. Even the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. Wherefore receive you one another, as Christ also received us to the glory of God. Now turn over one more scripture, if you would, to 1 Peter chapter 3. Actually, I've got two more. In 1 Peter chapter 3, verse 8, we read these words. Finally, after Peter has gone through and given instructions of God to the husbands and the wives, love, love your wives, he says to the husbands, as Christ loved the church, Oh, how I wish I could love my wife. I do. But not as good, not as wonderful as my Lord loves the church. Finally be ye all finally be ye all of one mind, having compassion one of another, love as brethren, be pitiful, and be courteous. Last night, our brother brought a message about forgiving one another. And I don't want to go into details about it because I'm ashamed. But I'm going to share it with you because you need to know that your pastor is probably even weaker than you. I have family. Family that I need to go to on my knees and beg for forgiveness. Beg for forgiveness that they will forgive me. This is what the Lord does through His Word. He teaches us. 
to remind us that the mind of Christ is the love for his people. It's the same mind as the Father. It's the love of his people. That's what mercy is all about. That's what grace is all about. It's about the love for you and I. A love that will never let us go. A love that will bring us to this building or whatever other building that the Lord has provided for us to hear his gospel preached and praise his name. Look at the verse. Look at the verses on the front of today's bulletin with me, if you would. And I'll close with this. Isaiah 12, verse 1 through 6, we read these words. And in that day, this is the day we this is the day the Lord opened the minds of Bill and John Reeves and brought us together to worship him. In that day thou shalt say, O Lord, I will praise thee. Though thou wast angry with me, thine anger is turned away, and thou comfortest me. Behold, behold to the world, God is my salvation. I will trust and not be afraid for the Lord Jehovah. You know what that word means? Jehovah? I looked that up this morning. You would have thought maybe John would have looked that up a lot sooner, right? I mean, I've been preaching for three years, right? I'm telling you, your pastor's weak. That word Jehovah means this, self-existing. <laughs> That's a pretty good phrase, isn't it? Self-existing. Sovereign. Sovereign ruler of everything. Sovereign creator of everything. Everything exists because of this one Jehovah. He is my strength. How can I fail? How can I drop? No matter what John's doing, and trust me, I don't want to, but I do. And you know what I mean when I say that. We do hate sin. Go ye and be holy, for our God is holy. And I'm, I'm going to point a finger like that, but you notice there's three fingers pointing right back at me. It takes genius to do that all the time. <laughs> don't think I'm pointing my finger at you. i got three of them pointing back at me. Be ye holy, for our God is holy. And this God is our strength. In and my song. He is also he also is become my salvation. I didn't know it before, but he has become it in my mind because he has always been my salvation. I just didn't know it. And therefore, with joy shall ye draw water out of the wells of salvation. Oh, I want to cry out to the people, come to the Lord Jesus. But I cry out even deeper, Lord, draw your people in. And in that day, and in that day, ye shall praise the Lord. Call upon his name. Declare his doings among the people. Make mention that his name is exalted. Sing unto the Lord, for he hath done excellent things. This is known in all the earth. Cry out. And shout, thou inhabitant of Zion, for great is the Holy One of Israel in the midst of thee. Amen. Let's stretch our legs for a moment, shall we? Stand.
and let's sing a song. Turn to page 511 of your hymn books. Sing with me if you would. Now I belong to Jesus. 511. Please have a seat.
We have special music for you this morning. Our sister Cheryl is going to uh, sing for us today. I'm so thankful she was able to make the trip. The last time I was able to talk to her about it, before she told me, was it was I just can't make that drive anymore. Come on up. She was I just can't make that drive anymore. I think she bought a new car just so she could. <laughs> I'm so thankful to have her here, aren't you? Yeah. Good to be with her again. If you decide to move back, you can come live with us. <laughs> we'll, that room. Oh, no, I'll give you a bigger room. We'll give you Lee and Shirley's room. She's going to have to step up. What would I do with all my stuff? Huh? Hmm. We'll have to talk about that. was broken, mine was mended. He became sin, now I am clean. The cross he carried bore my burden. The nails that held him set me free. His life for mine, his life for mine. How could it ever be that he would die? God's son died to save.
68. I want to thank you for inviting me here and for your hospitality, for the accommodations and the fellowship, and it's just always good to be with you, and I thank you again. I, uh, before I forget about this, next Friday, our conference will begin at 7 p.m. and they're broadcast live uh, on YouTube, uh, also on freegracemedia.com, they're on Sermon Audio, uh, starts at 7 on Friday and 10.15 Saturday and 10.15 Sunday. I hope the Lord will give you, remind that and uh, you'll tune in and Join us. At the beginning of this conference, I pulled into the parking lot. I was looking forward to seeing everybody. And of course, the first news that I received was about Brother Bill Silva, the motorcycle wreck that he had, and how bad his injuries were, his condition. And I know that the whole weekend, this has been on your part. Every day we've waited for some updates, and and I know your heart breaks. I know your heart breaks, but the, as Paul said, we don't mourn as those that have no hope. That's right. But I want to show you from the scripture. 
why I have made this statement to several of you this week. I have said to some of you, whatever the Lord's pleased to do, it will be well. And I want to show you why that's so for God's people. This is why whatever God's pleased to do is well. And here's why. Verse 20, Psalm 68, 20. He that is our God is the God of salvation. And unto God the Lord belong the issues from death. Our God is the God of salvation. There is not another. Our God is the God of salvation. Unto the Lord belong the issues from death. Every one of us here must face physical death. We must. The Lord's appointed the hour. He alone knows the hour. And we will face physical death. But the death that we must be saved from is far more than simply physical death. That's right. Amen. We must be saved, first of all, from judicial death, legal death. And unto the Lord God belong the issues from judicial death, legal death. We must be saved from spiritual death. There is a legal death. We became guilty. We come into this world guilty. We must be saved from that legal death. There is a spiritual death. We come into this world spiritually dead in our nature. We must be saved from that spiritual death. And these other two, because the Lord is the God to whom belong the issues from death, and because he saves his people from these other two deaths, when we die physically, it will be the Lord God who saves us from physical death. And for sake of clarity, and for just, there is another death scripture speaks of beyond physical death. It's called the second death. The second death is really part of that legal death and part of that spiritual death. But the second death scripture speaks about is that if we die physically and meet God without Christ, there will be an eternal separation from God, eternal separation from His glory that will never end. And the scripture refers to that as the second death. So these four deaths, legal death, spiritual death, physical death, and the second death, the death of hell, unto the Lord our God belong the issues from death. This is the death we have to be saved from. Christ is our God. He is the Lord our God, the Lord Jesus. And unto the Lord Jesus our God belong the issues from death. 
Go with me to Hebrews chapter 2. I want to show you this is why the Lord Jesus came. This is why he came. Hebrews chapter 2. There were some children that the Father gave to our Lord Jesus before this world was made. And the scripture says in verse 14, For as much then as the children are partakers of flesh and blood, he also himself likewise took part of the same, that through death he might destroy him that had the power of death, that is the devil, and deliver them who through fear of death were all their lifetime subject to bondage. The song our sister just sang sums it up. His life for our life. Our life. Amen. He is life. Christ is life. And it's through death that he saves his people from death. Through his death that he saves his people from death. Now let's look at these four deaths and see how that the Lord Jesus Christ to him belongs the issue from death. Now, first of all, this thing of legal death. This thing of legal death. The whole purpose for which God created the world and created you and I in this world is to declare the righteousness of God. That's right. This is a legal issue. It's to declare God is absolutely righteous. He always does what is right. Now, when God created man, he made Adam the head of the whole human race. An easy way to understand who Adam is the head of, he's the head of every child that would be born of Adam. Everyone that would be born of Adam, he's the head of all of them. That means God looked to nobody but Adam as responsible for their legal standing. Now you, we can't get upset with God for doing this. God did it this way. This was God's good pleasure to make Adam the head. And he made him the head. He made him to rep represent every child who would be born of Adam. And Adam was put in a garden. Put in a world that knew no sin. And Adam himself knew no sin in a perfect environment, in a perfect body, and given one command. Just one. And Adam broke that one command. And when he broke that one command, every one of his children broke that command. And we all became guilty in Adam. We all became unrighteous in Adam. We all died this legal death in Adam. Look over to Romans chapter 5. Uh, it occurred to me as I was sitting here thinking about the message that I, I looked at. We were in Romans 5 last time I was here. Well, that's okay. Yeah, that's alright. That's alright. These scriptures are not the old don't get old to God's people because it keeps them new to us. 
because this is the words of eternal life. This is how we see how God saves his people. And this is where it all began right here. This is where it all began as far as Adam and sin and our legal death right here. Look here, Romans 5, verse 12. Wherefore, well, let's read, uh, yeah, verse 12. Wherefore, as by one man, sin entered into the world and death by sin. And so death passed upon all men, for that all have sinned. Now, if you have a King James Bible and you have a marginal reference, you will see that when it says, for that all have sinned, it, the margin says, in whom all have sinned. In Adam, we all sinned. In Adam, we all sinned. When Adam broke that law, we broke it. We broke it. Now, be sure to get this. This is vital. Be sure to get this. Adam did not give us the chance to become guilty. He didn't give us the chance to become guilty. Adam made us guilty sinners. We became legally dead when Adam sinned. We really broke God's law in Adam. And God is holy, and therefore God will by no means clear the guilty. He's righteous. He won't clear the guilty. And we died in Adam, so we came under this legal death, this condemnation. But here's the good news. This is why if a man won't take his place as guilty in Adam, there's no good news for him. Because here's the good news. The reason God made Adam the head of all his children is to picture the Lord Jesus Christ, God's son, who God made the head of all his children. He's the head of all who shall be born of him. God's elect who he put in Christ before this world was made. Romans 5.14 says there at the end, Adam is the figure of him that was to come. He's the figure of Christ in headship. He's the, God made Christ the head of all who shall be born again of God the Holy Spirit. He chose a people and he gave them to Christ. And our Lord Jesus entered covenant to save these people by laying down his life for us and bearing the wrath of God that we deserve for our sin. He took full responsibility to satisfy justice for his people. You all are familiar with Ephesians 1, and I won't have you turn to it, but the reason we say blessed is the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ is because it says he hath blessed us with all spiritual blessings in heavenly places in Christ Jesus according as he chose us in him before the foundation of the world that we should be holy and without blame before him in love. That's a blessing and all the blessings were ours in Christ because God never looked to any of his people to work this. He only looked to Christ. And there's an, it's an impossibility that these spiritual blessings won't be given to you personally because Christ shall not fail. He trusted the whole work to his son. This is the purpose for which God made this world is to exalt his son. That's the purpose. To declare his righteousness. 
How God can remain just and yet be the justifier of his people. And there's just one way the Lord Jesus Christ came and took flesh and walked this earth proven innocent, proven spotless. He didn't come into a perfect garden. He came into a garden that was under the curse. He came into a world that was full of sin and full of sinners and full of God-hating rebels. And he didn't come under one commandment. He came and made himself under 613 commandments. And he walked perfectly without sin in his nature, without sin in his doings or his thoughts or anything, and was proven for 33 and a half years that he is the spotless Lamb of God. Amen. That wouldn't satisfy his legal death. He went to that cross and bore the sin of his people and stood before this holy, holy, holy God who will by no means clear the guilty. And when sin was found on his son, God spared not his only son. That's how holy and just and righteous God is. And he poured out the justice. He poured out the wrath. He poured out that eternal condemnation that all of his people deserve. He poured it out on the Lord Jesus Christ, his own son, our substitute. And when he did that, he satisfied his own law. And Christ said, it is finished. Amen. <laughs> you know what that means? Just what it says. Amen. It is finished. It is finished. The same as Adam didn't give us a chance to be made guilty, the Lord Jesus didn't give us a chance to be made righteous. He made us righteous. Amen. He made us righteous. He finished the work. Now look back there at Romans 5. Let's read it again. And let's get the good news. Verse 17. For if by one man's offense death reigned by one. Death reigned. This legal death reigned by Adam. Much more. They which receive abundance of grace. Let me give you a quick word on this word receive. Men hear that. They say, well see there now. It's up to me to receive this. It's up to me to make the choice to receive this. Our Lord Jesus Christ spoke to his apostles and he breathed on them and he said, Receive ye the Holy Ghost. Yeah. And you know what happened? They did. The Holy Ghost entered them and they received him. Amen. It would be like you standing out here and the wind blowing. That's what the Lord compared the Spirit to, the, the wind blowing. And it would be like the wind blowing out here and the, somebody said, receive that wind. What you going to do to receive it? It's just going to blow on you. That's what happened. Grace. When you receive grace, grace just comes and takes over. And he says here, and those that receive the abundance of grace and of the gift of righteousness. Free gift. All done. Already come. Just freely given to you. And when he gives it to you, you shall reign in life by one, Jesus Christ. Therefore, as by the offense of one, judgment 
Condemnation came upon, upon all men who Adam represented to condemnation. This judgment came to condemnation. Even so, by the righteousness of one, the free gift came upon all men who Christ represented unto justification of life. For as by one man's disobedience many were made sinners, so by the obedience of one shall many be made righteous. Don't miss that. It's not by my obedience. It's not by your obedience. It's not by the obedience of any of his children. It's by the obedience of one, the Lord Jesus Christ. What is it when he brings you to the obedience of faith? What is that? It's being given a heart to bow and believe and trust the obedience of the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. That's what it is. Now look, what about the law? Verse 20. Over the law entered that the offense might abound. It entered to show us how great sinners we are. But where sin abounded, grace did much more abound that as sin hath reigned unto death, even so might grace reign through righteousness unto eternal life by Jesus Christ our Lord. So, to God our Savior belongs the issues from this legal death. He's the one who saved his people from this legal judicial death we were under. You see that? You see that? Well, we got another problem, though. Spiritual death. We come into this world dead, spiritually, in trespassing and sin. But here's the good news. Unto God the Lord belong the issues from spiritual death. Adam's nature was corrupted by sin. Whenever Adam sinned, that you know, people want to debate all things about how somebody's made sin. God didn't put something in Adam to make him sin. God took something out of him. Took spirit from him. And Adam became a guilty. Just dead in his sin. Christ, God is life. His spirit is life. When he takes that from you, spiritually, you're dead. And that's what happened to Adam. He became spiritually dead. And he had a corrupt nature. And so, when he conceived a child from his corrupt seed that child that was conceived in his mother's womb had the same sinful nature that Adam had and if you read the scripture it says he bore a son in his own image that child was corrupt in his nature just like Adam was and on down the line to you and me right on down to us we were born spiritually dead in trespasses and sins, what does that mean? It means we were unable, unwilling, we could not, we would not hear this good news of the gospel. We were spiritually unable to hear it, spiritually unwilling to hear it. We could not, we would not receive the things of the Spirit of God. That's so of everybody. Folks get upset with you about the gospel and they reject the gospel we preach. Don't get mad at them. You couldn't receive it either. That's right. Men just doing what they want to do. I, one time there was a young man, the Lord had given him faith to believe the, the Lord Jesus and he was, he was just new to the faith and he was talking to a man 
And this man had claimed to be a believer for years and years and years. And he was telling this man how that God saved by free grace and how you must be born again. And he was telling him what the Lord Jesus told Nicodemus in John 3. He told Nicodemus, Nicodemus was a master in Israel. He was teaching people. And he came to him by night and he began to try to tell what he knew. And the Lord said, Nicodemus, you don't know anything. You got to be born again. You got to be born of the Spirit of God, or you can't see me. You can't understand who I am and what I came to do. And that's what he told him. You must be born from above. You have to be born again. And my young friend was telling this, this older gentleman of this, and, and this man thought he was a master. And he was just telling my young friend how wrong he was and how wrong he was. And, and my young friend said, You will not ever believe this. Until God gives you a new heart and, a, and ears to hear it and an understanding to receive it and makes you willing to believe. And this older gentleman said, I'm going to tell you something, young man. I cannot believe what you are telling me. <laughs> and my young friend said, see there, you agree with everything I just said. <laughs> you can't. You can't. <clears throat> Did the issues of our first birth belong to us? Did the issues of your first birth belong to you? What did you do to be born the first time? You didn't have a thing to do with it. It's something that happened to you. And it's so with this new birth. The good news is unto God the Lord belong the issues from spiritual death. That's good news because if we if if this being the case that we would not and we could not receive the things of the Spirit of God, and you find that in 1 Corinthians chapter 2, plainly declared. And the good news of that is if we'd have been left there, that's where we'd have been left. That's it. The good news that these issues don't belong to us is that. God will see to it that every single person Christ saved from that judicial death must and shall be saved from this spiritual death. They will be birthed again. They will be birthed again. Because Christ purged the sin of his people. Christ satisfied justice for his people. That means God will not pour out justice on anybody for whom Christ died. They must be born again and brought to faith in Christ. They must. Justice. The same holy justice that demanded the soul that sinneth must die because Christ has died in the room instead of his people. That same holy God, that same holy justice, that same holy character of God demands that everyone for whom Christ died must be born again. That's good news. That's good news. That's good news to you that now know just how dead you were. That's good news. Now let me try to illustrate this. Our sin nature is like a jail cell. Men want to talk about their free will, you know. Well, if you're in a jail cell, you can walk from one side of it to the other all you want to. You can do jumping jacks, you can do push-ups, you can do you can flip backwards if you want to. But you can't get out of that jail cell. And that's what we are by nature. You can do only what your sin nature permits you to do. 
You're in the confines of your sin nature. You can't go beyond that. You know, you see it every day. It's why a cow eats grass and doesn't, and doesn't, uh, doesn't uh, eat dead things. It's because it's not his nature. He does what it's his nature to do. God only does what it's his nature to do. His nature is holy, and everything he does is holy because that's his nature. We all only do what our nature is. Now, when we're dead in sin, you're in this jail cell. And here's why you must be born again, and you must be born from above, and Christ must be the one to send the Holy Spirit and give you a new birth. Here's why. Because the glory is God's. That's and right. God gave Christ, who, he, who satisfied him and pleased him, he raised him and gave him the glory of setting his people free from this jail cell. Now, if you were in a jail cell and you're on death row and, and, and you're going to die and somebody came and took your place and died your death for you, the law satisfied. you got to be set free. you got to be let out of jail. Well, Christ came and laid down his life and paid the wages we owed. So now we got to be let out of the jail cell. And Christ has the glory of letting us out of this jail cell called our sin nature. It says, Isaiah 49, 9, he gave Christ the glory. He's speaking to Christ. And he said, and here's, here's what I've raised you up to do. That thou mayest say to the prisoners, go forth. And to them that are in darkness, show yourselves. We won't come to the light by nature. He said that in John 3. Why? Because we don't want our sins to be reproved. That's right. Not just our immoral sins that we're embarrassed about. We don't want all these splendid righteousnesses that we think is going to make us accepted with God. We don't want those to be made known to be absolutely filthy rags. So Christ has to let us, he has to open the jail cell called our sin nature by the new birth and say, go forth. And say, show yourself, come out of darkness, come to me the light that you might manifest and declare all our works were worked in him. That's what he said. And so when you're born again, this gospel we're preaching, Christ the word, through the word of the gospel, this is the incorruptible seed. We were born of corruptible seed. This is the incorruptible seed which by the Spirit a new nature is created in us. Listen, it pleased God by the foolishness of preaching to save them that believe. Here's what 1 Peter 1.23 says. Here's why. Because we're born again, not of corruptible seed. We're born again, born anew, not of corruptible seed, but of incorruptible by the word of God, which liveth and abideth forever. And he said in chapter 20, uh, verse 25, this is the word which by the gospel is preached unto you. Now, don't miss this. This is why Christ came. This is as vital to what Christ did on the cross this new birth is as vital as what Christ did on the cross. Paul said in Galatians 4, 4, When the fullness of time was come, God sent forth his Son, made of a woman, made under the law, to redeem them that were under the law, that, here's the purpose, that we might receive the adoption of sons. 
so that we might be born again and made to see God has made us his children. And because you are sons, you didn't become a son by believing Christ. When you were dead in sins, because of God's electing grace, you were a child of God before you were ever born again and before you ever believed on it. And because you are sons, God has sent forth the spirit of his son into our hearts, Dude. crying, Abba, Father. Wherefore, you're no more a servant. You're no more judicially dead. You're no more in the prison. You're no more a servant and a slave of sin. But you are a child of God. That's the good news. That's why the preaching of the gospel is so vital to those that are born anew. Now let me say this to you before I leave this point. It's not that God is pleased to save you through the preaching of the gospel simply when you're born again. God is pleased to save us through the preaching of the gospel from the first hour all the way till he brings us home. We need this gospel. And it's the wisest thing God of God to choose to save this way because he puts sinners together who are so different, who got still have a sin nature, who are going to offend one another, who are going to fall, who are going to need us to be gracious to one another. You're going to need to forgive, and they're going to need to forgive you. They're going to need to be gracious to you. You're going to need to be gracious to them. And it's how God not only teaches us this gospel and keeps Christ in our heart, but also shows us by experience that His grace really is active and alive and saving and you experience it more. You experience it. You need to be with brethren. You need to be in this place, sitting together, working together to support this gospel so you have it for one another, so that as you go through this wilderness together, you're not only hearing this word, you're experiencing God's grace with each other. This is how he's growing and teaching his people. That's right. You need to be together. Don't neglect assembling of yourselves together. You need to be together. This is how God's pleased to save his people. This is how he's pleased to save. Well, it's going to cost me a lot. It's going to cost you a lot not to. Amen. Get together with God's people. This is, I'm not, this is not my word. This is God's word. Forsake not the assembling of yourselves together as the man of some men. He said, do it more and more as you see the day approaching. Everything in this world is trying to separate us. We got all these, and I'm thankful that brethren are getting to watch this online. I, we have live video, and, and I just started this message by saying, please tune in next week. I want you to do it. But don't let it take the place of coming together and hearing the gospel. Amen. You need to be together. We need, we all we got in this world, brethren. <laughs> brethren, next to Christ, brethren are the greatest gift God's given us in this world. And we need each other. We need each other. 
All right, now let's go to this third thing. So since God, since unto God belongs the issues from legal and spiritual death, unto God belong the issues from physical death. Our sin nature is yet with us. God doesn't do a thing to your sin nature. You still got it. You still got that same sinful nature you was born with the first time. But you've been born anew, and you got a new spirit. You got a new nature. But these bodies are shall return to the dust. They must. But each sinner that God's made alive legally in Christ's righteousness and alive spiritually by the new birth, now listen, shall never die. Yes, your physical body will die, but you shall never die. You shall never die. Lazarus died physically, and Mary and Martha were weeping. They were weeping. Now, our Lord came there, and he said to Martha, Thy brother shall rise again. And Martha said what she knew, and she said, I know that he shall rise again in the resurrection in the last day. And the Lord said to her, I am the resurrection. And the life. He is life. Christ is life. And he that believeth in me, though he were dead, yet shall he live. And whosoever liveth, that's the new birth, whosoever liveth, been born again, and believeth. That's the result of the new birth. He gives you faith. Right. Whosoever liveth and believeth in me shall never die. I'm sitting here right now looking at some people who are immortal. Mm -hmm. I don't know I said this Friday and Saturday that I didn't know what the Lord would be pleased to do with Brother Bill. But I do know that every believer shall never die. That's right. I do know that. The day that we draw our last breath, the day we draw our last breath, and these bodies just become lifeless forms. In spirit, we will be with the Lord immediately. Immediately. I, I like to picture it like a Song of Solomon when the Lord came to the bride and uh, he said, Come away, my love. Come with me. body just goes lifeless. The Lord says, come away, my love. Come with me. And immediately, you're with him. We're confident, I say, and willing, rather, to be absent from the body and to be present with the Lord. It's what we preach. It's what we believe. This, this is what we're all looking forward to. 
be absent from these old sinful, wretched bodies and be present with the Lord. And that's not the end of it. When our Lord returns, he will raise our bodies entirely new, entirely glorified. Go over to 1 Corinthians 15. 1 Corinthians 15. Look at this. Verse 51. Behold, I show you a mystery. 1 Corinthians 15, 51. Behold, I show you a mystery. We shall not all sleep. That is, we're not going to all die. Because the Lord's going to return. When he returns, there are going to be some folks still, some believers alive when he returns. We're not going to all die before he returns. There'll be some alive when he comes. But we shall all be changed. Yep. In a moment, in the twinkling of an eye, at the last trumpet, for the trumpet shall sound, and the dead shall be raised incorruptible. And we shall be changed. The dead are going to be raised first. And then we that remain will be changed. Why? For this corruptible, that's all our bodies are, must put on incorruption. We can't enter into God's presence in these bodies. We've got to have a glorified body. It's got to all be the product of Christ's making. This body's from Adam. Sinful. It's got to all be Christ's creation. So, this corruptible must put on incorruption, and this mortal must put on immortality. So when this corruptible shall have put on incorruption, and this mortal shall have put on immortality, then shall be brought to pass the saying that's written, Death is swallowed up in victory. <laughs> Unto our Lord our God belong the issue from death. And he's going to get the victory. He already has. Watch this now. O death, where's thy sting? O grave, where's thy victory? The sting of death is sin. And the strength of sin is the law. He satisfied the law and put our sin away. Thanks be to God which giveth us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. Where in this have we seen anything that you and I do? We haven't. It's all him. Our text says, unto the Lord our God belong the issues from death. Now, what about this second death? This death of judgment. Well, if anybody meets God without believing on the Lord Jesus, the second death will be the death that comes when God judges men for not believing Christ and trusting him alone. God will cast them out into outer darkness where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Believe on the Lord Jesus. Believe on the Lord Jesus. Live today and believe on the Lord Jesus. Somebody said, well, after what you just preached, why do you call on sinners to do that? Because my Lord 
sent his prophet into the valley of the dry bones, and he said, can these bones live? And he said, Lord, you know. He said, you preach to them, and you say to these dead bones, live. And I'm saying to you now, live. I'm saying to you, believe on the Lord Jesus. And you know what the Lord said he would do? He said, and you prayed to me and asked me to do this. And he said, I will send forth my spirit and I'll give mine. And that's what he did. And those bones came together and, and he made them stand up. That's why I'm calling on you. I can't make you live. I can't make you believe. Under him belong the issues from death. But through this gospel, this is how he's going to birth his children anew. And what I'm saying to you is this. If you're sitting there where you are and you find yourself believing on the Lord Jesus Christ for the first time, you find yourself realizing everything you've ever been told was a lie and now you see that the glory really does belong to God, I'm saying to you, believe on him. Amen. Confess him in believer's baptism. This is what we're confessing in water baptism. When he died, I died. When he was buried, I was buried. That's why we bury in the water. I was buried with him. Sinner, look to that tomb. And where he went into that tomb, your old body of sin, the old you that came from Adam, went into that grave and died. And you come up out of that water because he came up out of that grave and went to the right hand of God and sat down. And when he did that, you came out of that grave in him and sat down in him at God's right hand. And he births you again. That's This is the good news he makes you to know. We've been seated with him there. The work's finished. And I'm telling you this, when he does save you from death and makes you hear this, you don't have to have somebody twist your arm to believe him. You believe him. Amen. And you don't have to have somebody twist your arm to confess him. You confess him. I've seen a lot of criminals on television that they had to hog tie and wrestle them down and handcuff them and everything else and drag them and throw them in a jail cell. But I ain't never seen one of them that they said, you're free to go, ever have to be wrestled out. <laughs> but here's the good news brethren if you have partake, partaken by God's grace of that freedom from that legal death by Christ and freedom from that spiritual death by the spirit of God birthing you again when you die physically and you stand before God Christ, your advocate, will do all the talking on your behalf, and he will declare this one's judgment was settled way back there when I cried out and said, it's finished. You won't have to say a word. We just sit there and let the advocate do the talking. And this is what the scripture says. Revelation 20 verse 6 said, Blessed and holy is he that hath part in the first resurrection. On such the second death has no power. Oh, amen. You know, God gives you things to enjoy in this life. And you start thinking these things are your peace. Let's say he gives you a new car. I, I don't have much peace right now in my vehicle because it's old and worn out and it, it's leaking oil faster than I can pour oil into it. 
And if I got a new vehicle, I, I would have a little bit of peace that I can get from this place to that place, and you know. But what we start doing is, it gives you something like a new car, and you start having some peace and finding some peace in it. Your bank account's good, you have some peace in it. Your house got a good roof on it, you have some peace in it. And so the Lord, he'll just blow up your engine. <laughs> he gave you four flat tires. He let the wind carry your roof off. Why? He said, in this world, you shall have tribulation. Why? Why is that? Because he said, in me, you have peace. Amen. I've overcome the world. And through all these little tribulations, he makes you know he's overcome the world for you. He shows you in every one of these little trials you suffer, he's overcome it for you. He brings you out of it, shows you your peace wasn't in that. He's your peace. And you see him a little better and a little more clearly. You know, he's really my peace. You go through these things, and every time you see, I'm so weak. I'm just so weak. The Lord's my strength. But you go a little bit further and you start putting a little more confidence in these things and think they're your peace. So the Lord has to do this all over again. But it's all for this reason. Coming down to a day. And you're going to be laying there and your body's going to stop working. And you're not going to be able to have any peace in your body or anything you can do because you don't have any strength in it whatsoever. That's what the Lord's been showing us all along. That's how helpless we've been the whole time. Right now. And in that day, we're going to find out because when that body can't function and the Lord comes and says, I'm your peace. I'm your life. We're going to know fully, perfectly how it's been this whole time. He's your life. <laughs> He's your peace. And to him belong the issues from death. Brethren, He that is our God is the God of salvation. And unto God the Lord belong the issues from death. Paul said he saves us from deaths often. We don't know how many deaths. I mean, he's doing it all the time. But he saved us from all death. And he's our life. And one day, one day, Brother, <laughs> Brother Bill can sing perfectly now and praise God with his mouth perfectly now like an angel. That's what we're going to do. That's what we're going to do. And what are we going to say? 
to God be the glory. Amen. Amen. Thank you all so much. Thank you, brother. I needed to hear that. That's the gospel, the good news. Would you stand with me, please? And Turn to page 202. How amazing is that grace that our Lord has for his people? 202.
God give us the ability to glorify Him in all that we say and do. Amen to that? Amen. Brother Rick, would you uh, lead us in closing prayer? And would you also ask for the Lord's blessing on the food that comes? Uh, we thank you for the gracious words we've heard. The word about Christ and Christ alone. Through grace and grace alone, according to the scriptures and the scriptures alone. Open our hearts and our minds, not just to be hearers, but to be doers in the spirit. Work in us, Lord, for we are weak and need preachers. Without you, we can do nothing. We ask also your blessings uh, on the food that we're about to receive. We thank you for it as we see a world that's in chaos, a world with famine and a lack of food, and we have more than I could, could really imagine. So work in us to be diligent about those that have not. Work in us, Lord. In Jesus' name, for his glory and our good. Amen. Amen. Amen.